Hello everyone, I'm Chris Dauphin, your TSEA Communications Director. Welcome to the Ask TSEA video podcast, our monthly show where state employees ask the questions and TSEA provides the answers. We're excited to begin, but first we want to remind you to please subscribe to our Ask TSEA YouTube channel and follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TSEA Online. All right, so thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Welcome to Ask TSEA, our very first video podcast. Um, today we have a few staff members gathered to answer your questions. We've picked a handful of questions from the month of August, and we'll be doing our best to answer those. Um, with us today, if you want to introduce yourselves, Gail. I'm Gail Robb, uh, Compensation and Benefits Manager. been with TSEA for 33 years. I'm Randy Stamps. I'm the Executive Director of TSEA. I've been here about five years. Keisha Pittman, Legal Services. I have been employed with TSEA three years. Awesome. Well, we're here to answer the questions today, and we'll probably switch staff members out as we uh, go through the podcast in uh, the months ahead uh, based on the questions that we select to answer. Um, but today, uh, our questions will have Keisha and Gail and Randy answering them. Um, but we wanted to kind of discuss a few things that have happened recently, some current events. Um, Randy, did you want to uh, talk about the most recent things that have happened? Uh, we, we do have a lot of recent uh, developments. The biggest is we now have a new Speaker of the House. Uh, uh, Cameron Sexton, who's from Crossville, was elected Speaker just last week. He did change up some of the committee assignments and some of the subcommittee chairs, including uh, one of the subcommittees that hears a lot of our TSEA bills. So we'll be uh, working with those new leaders in that capacity, but we're very excited. We want to congratulate Cameron Sexton on being the new Speaker of the House. We had a legislative picnic uh, last week up in Knoxville. We were delighted to have Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally with us, Representative Gloria Johnson, Senator Becky Massey, Senator Richard Briggs, Representative Bill Dunn, who at the time was actually acting Speaker, and Representative Lowell Russell all joined us there. So it was a great time for our members to sit down and talk with those senators and representatives, lieutenant governor, um, and share different issues with them. And we're excited that this Friday we're going to have a UT tailgate before the UT kickoff game. We call that TSEA Appreciation Day. I, tickets are still available, um, and that will be a fun time for everybody just to come out and fellowship and enjoy each other. We have also are still looking at the possibility of some summer study committees going on down on the hill, uh, <laughs> affecting some of the issues I think we're going to be addressing that folks have already asked us about. So it's still a busy time on Capitol Hill, uh, especially with the recent leadership changes. Another reminder we have, um, just a reminder to all state employees, open enrollment or annual enrollment is uh, on the horizon. Um, and we've got a couple of groups that this affects. Uh, one are active state and higher education employees and your period of time is September 30th through October 11th, right? And, uh, and then for retirees, you have a little bit longer. You have uh, from September 30th to October 25th. I also wanted to add uh, something that's been around for a few years, but I'm not sure many state employees take advantage of it. It is the pay flex opportunity that they can, it's tax deferred money you put into an account and you can use it for health related issues throughout the year. <clears throat> but you cannot be in the CDHP with HSA uh, if you're going to have, a, it's called a flex spending account. Mm -hmm. So there'll be an article in the paper coming up 
in the next issue, which I think in a month or so will be out with some more information about um, doing the pay flex, and you have to enroll during this annual enrollment period if you're going to participate in a flex spending account. That's good to know. I, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of members may not know. We recently, the board of TSEA recently voted to reduce the number of coworkers that we send out per year. So now instead of six, we're doing five. Um, and the last edition was a three-month edition. So if you know, it seems like it's been a long time since they've received a coworker. We're sort of balancing those numbers out, but the last two of the year will be two months each. So the next one will be September, October. But it's important to remember that by the time, well, right around the time you get your paper, we'll be um, buttoned up against that date of September 30th. So you're going to need to make those decisions. You might want to think about them now so you can make the best decision then. And again, if you have any questions, you can always email us at info at tseaonline.org. Or you can call us at 615-256-4533 or 1-800-251-TSEA, which is 8732. All right. So um, that kind of just covers sort of the recent events. Uh, let's go ahead and get into some questions. Our, uh, our first question uh, is from Mark Avery, uh, submitted as a video. So let's see uh, what Mark Avery has asked. My question is, is what is the... Status on the longevity for the employees who don't have longevity uh, would like to bring that longevity back. Uh, how soon can we get that back? Because the staff working with the department really, really could use it, uh, and it will help for the keeping those uh, employees within our department. Okay. Um, well, you know, we've been doing. You know, obviously there were some changes in longevity a couple of years back, um, and we've been working to try to secure that longevity payment. For the new hires um, who lost longevity as of uh, which was it 2015, um, as of July 1st, 2015, and beyond, anyone hired no longer receives a longevity pay benefit. So that's been a big uh, concern for TSEA and for state employees, and um, you know it's been something we've been working on. Um, where are we at with that, Randy? Well, um, fortunately, we were able to move that bill through the committee process in the House, so it sits in finance right now. Um, in the House. In the Senate, we didn't make quite as much progress in that it was put into summer study. Uh, but we believe that longevity for all is important. Of course, it'll still take three years to earn it. Uh, right now, the fiscal cost of that is not as great as it uh, will be in a few more years. But the administration continues to maintain the position that they feel like that longevity is inconsistent with paper performance. We don't believe that's the case. Higher education doesn't believe that's the case because higher education offers both pay performance and longevity. We feel like it's an equal pay issue. Um, and so the status is we need to do more work in the Senate. Folks need to talk to their state senators about it, explain to them, even if they're receiving longevity, how many of their coworkers don't have it. And it's an inequity in folks sitting, working side by side each and every day. So again, um, we're going to continue to work with the administration, trying to convince them that longevity is something that will help with retention, and it's going to help with turnover too. We hope. We got a lot of emails um, a few months back about how people, you know, why people value their longevity. You know, they, I mean, people use that check for you know a big purchase, like if they need a new water heater or to make a big payment, you know, on their, maybe they owe taxes on their home payment or whatever. I've heard a lot of different stories mm -hmm. of what people depend on that longevity check for. Okay, their annual homeowner's insurance or their property taxes, I've heard that a lot. 
So, you know, <clears throat> that can be a big difference in uh, retaining employees that, you know, are sitting side by side with someone else who is receiving that benefit. And, you know, I know it's important. And um, I think at this, Randy, were you going to say something? Well, there's this argument that we're moving back, that we had that discussion. It was settled that we'd put that money into pay for performance. But the truth is we've always remained steadfast that longevity is important. Yeah. Uh, we already have three discrepancies among workers. Uh, the insurance is different. The pension is different. But longevity is one thing we can fix and still not burden the state taxpayers very much at all. So you're right. It is a savings account for a lot of folks. I mean, it's it's it gives them a chance to have a good lump sum payment that they look forward to, and it's very important to our folks. And it's really the only uh, constitutionally or um, st- statutorily required um, pay increase, so to speak. I mean, I'm for that, state employees, right? That's one reason it began in the first place. One year there wasn't money for a raise, so yeah. mm-hmm. they wanted to show some appreciation for state employees. So TSEA sponsored and, and really pushed the legislation to to push it along and get it passed. So you're right. Uh, in those years when the economic times get tough again and there's not a raise, that would be the only increase in compensation that state employees would receive. Um, and I think uh, we don't know the exact dates of the summer study on this, but it's we're predicting sometime in October, is yeah, that right? Yeah, we hope so. Okay. We hope so. All right, Mark, thanks for the question. Uh, we're going to move on to the next question, which uh, is from Daniel Orange. Daniel Orange asks, what is the state policy on hiring veterans in the hiring process? Is this just left up to the individual hiring boards to make the selections on the new hires? Is there any benefit of being a veteran and applying for a job with the state of Tennessee? Uh, I'm sure my coworkers will want to help out on this one, but there's definitely advantage to being a veteran. We're still addressing some issues about what type of conflict qualifies and uh, how much help that gives you. But w- one point of confusion I know is that veterans are entitled to an interview. We have uh, debated back and forth, especially with the previous administration, about what constitutes an interview. But right now, the position is that a, uh, in, in Keisha or Gail may explain this better than me, but that there's like a review process, a survey that's sent out, and often they treat that as an interview. But at the same time, if a veteran is not hired, the supervisor has to go to some extra measures to point out what it was that made that veteran not receive that job. Uh, We've received concerns from supervisors about that. So there's definitely an advantage for veterans, um, and it's probably better for the folks that deal with that day in and day out to explain a little bit more. Randy is correct. For a veteran, they are guaranteed that first interview. The first interview is not a face-to-face. It is a selection process on paper. Um, It is up to the department to select them for the second interview. Um, I definitely think it's a big benefit for veterans to apply for state positions. They bring so much knowledge. Um, I always encourage them to apply. That first interview is important because a lot of people are not selected for that first interview. So they are guaranteed that first interview. Okay. Um, Thank you, Daniel, for that question. Um, Our next question is from Leanne Martin, who is also one of our board members, and she has a question about pay for performance. So my question is, is how much percentage of the pay for pay for performance will we be receiving for the state employees hard work in January? Again, the answer is um, we, we believe it'll be right around 2%. Um, 
during the Haslam administration that authority for pay raises was handed over to the Department of uh, Human Resources. Uh, used to be that amount was specifically in the budget. Sometimes there was a contingency there that it could even increase if revenues went up. But right now that responsibility lies with the commissioner of the Department of Human Resources. But we believe it'll be about 2% for valued employees and then traditionally uh, the percentages have been increased for those that are advanced and outstanding. Um, for their bonuses. For their bonus amount. Right, and we usually get that information mid-December, what the, the amount's gonna be, the percentage amount for the bonuses. But the um, P for P, usually everyone valued, advanced and outstanding get the same rate, same amount, 2%. Right. And then the bonuses are for advanced and outstanding. <clears throat> right. And when do they close the performance evaluation period? September 30th is the end. Gotcha. Right. And then it usually takes, like you said, mid-December, it usually takes a little bit of time for them to process all those mm -hmm. numbers. We, I know we get a lot of uh, inquiries uh, about right. when we're going to know and everything, but we honestly don't know until close to Christmas, right. honestly. I mean, that week right before Christmas is usually when we find out. That's correct, Chris. Many of the employees that aren't under pay for performance, who are also members of TSEA, many of them received their raises in July, and there were set amounts for that, so we don't want well, to always include those folks but paper performance is unique uh, there are supposed to be more people receiving uh, advanced ratings this year than there were <clears throat> in years past right. uh, we've always already been warned though that that number may go back down some on this next evaluation there were some um, issues that DOHR uh, dealt with in the rating system so there's been some changes there but we'll be talking about those more as we move forward and DOHR, I mean, most of the departments had sort of a changeover with commissioners. So we've started, you know, since uh, Governor Lee came in, you know, he chose his staff and a few of those commissioners kept their positions and then some new ones were brought on and DOHR was one of them. And we've kind of had some meetings with uh, the new commissioner of DOHR. Seems like we're building a good relationship with him. So It's very encouraging. Um, he has been very open and transparent with us. <laughs> He's willing to talk with us both formally and informally. So I'm very encouraged by Commissioner Juan Williams and his attitude towards TSCA. Maybe we'll get him on the uh, podcast one of these yeah, days. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Our next question comes from Wilbert McElrath. And he asks, uh, what is the best age for retirement? And Wilbert has 13 years with the state. Um, I'll try to answer that question uh, with not, without knowing the age of the employee. Um, I can just guess that maybe with only 13 years of service that maybe this is a second career for, for this person. If not, with only 13 years of service, you will need to wait until you are 60 years old because you don't qualify for uh, regular retirement is 60 years of age or 30 years of service without a penalty, either one of those. And then you can do 55 invested, but you can have a penalty. So he may, if he's 55 years old, he'll get a penalty for um, only having 13 years of service. If you have 25 years of service, you can retire but you get two reductions. So my advice to him, this person, would be if you only have 13 years of service, just let it sit until you are 60 years of age. And feel free to give me a call and I will talk more in depth with you about it. But uh, from what I know from your question, 13 years and 13 years of service, I'd wait until I was 60 years old 
to begin to draw a benefit. And again, uh, (coughs) 615-256-4533 is the number at our office, and uh, you can reach Gail or someone else in our staff on compensation and benefits to discuss these issues at any point. All right, so our next question is uh, from Misha Johnson, and uh, she asks, uh, I'm planning to retire in the next few months, and I'm wondering if I'll be able to keep my insurance benefits that I currently have through TSEA, which are cancer policy and vision. If so, who do I notify and what must be done to keep the insurance? Well, Amisha, uh, actually, we're going to reach out to Ken Johnson, who is uh, works with TSEA through Federated Marketing, and, um, and see if we can get the, your question answered directly from them. Hello, this is Ken with the TSEA Insurance Benefits, letting you know that yes, you can take your benefits with you as a retiree. By staying a TSEA member, you can have your deductions come out of your retirement check. You can contact my office at 800-880-6542. Kim or Tracy would be more than happy to help you. And if you have any questions, it's hashtag AskTSEA. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Ken, for the uh, Ask TSEA plug and uh, great information. Um, okay. So, but that brings up another question, Gail. Um, maybe you can answer. If someone's a TSEA member and they retire, they don't just automatically become a TSEA no. retiree member, right? No, they need to actually uh, complete another application. Their dues uh, reduced to five do- only $5 a month. And those can be payroll deducted from your uh, retirement benefit check. And Linda Darden in our office, she's our membership um, secretary. She can help you with those, uh, getting those applications in for uh, continuing membership once you re- retire. Or I think you could probably just fax the application in that you're retired, and we could do it that way. Right. So it's it's important that to keep you can keep those benefits but you have to stay a member of TSEA and um, so like Gail said reach out to Linda and that actually brings up a a question I'd like to discuss in final thoughts Um, but we have one more question we want to answer here Um, we had a question about um, from Stacy Green she says I read in the TSEA paper that you can now use tuition waivers for two classes per semester instead of one class is that true thanks well, we've gone back and we've reviewed our papers, uh, Stacy, and we don't see where that exact that was written in the paper. But we wanted to make sure we corrected it in case there was a typo or somewhere that we accidentally put right. that information in. So we want to address that. Uh, state employees uh, can take a uh, it's called a fee waiver program, and it's one class per semester, uh, depending upon space availability, uh, and at any university or technology center, or it also says Tennessee Foreign Language Institute. Um, there's also a fee discount for uh, employees who have dependent children going to school. They get a 25% tuition deduction. So maybe those two things is what she's talking about, but it's two different things, a fee waiver and a discount, fee discount for uh, dependents. And if you're retired, you get that also. Right. I think part of the confusion was there was legislation to clarify that uh, many of the institutions in higher ed have uh, short semester, summer type shorter semesters. State employees can take advantage of that too. That's been clarified. So you could have more than uh, two classes a year if you chose to take advantage of one 
of the shorter versions that happen of a semester okay. during the summertime mainly is when that happens. So they could actually get more than just two courses a year that way. And I think that may be the source of our Maybe. confusion. Okay, great. Good. Um, all right, do we have any final thoughts? I have uh, one thing that I know, you know, with we received, guys have been great, everyone's been great sending in questions. We received over 50 questions just in a short time for this episode. Of course, we're gonna have more time for the next episode because we launched this in the middle of August. And this next one, we're gonna go ahead and launch right now. So if you have questions to submit for the next podcast, I'll go ahead and send those to um, asktsea at tseaonline.org or you can message us through social media using the hashtag asktsea. Um, and we'd love it if you submitted video questions. Those are our favorite. Um, but however you'd like to send them, you can even mail them to me if you'd like. Um, okay, so, but one thing that we we read through a few of the questions is we had a few members, um, we had a few members who were in a situation that they were, they'd already applied for something or they're already working through an issue and they were on the back end of that issue. And then they reached out to TSEA. And a lot of times, in that situation, our hands are a little bit tied on what we're able to do for those folks. Um, so I, I think, you know, we can't help you unless you contact us first. So I would say if, if you're getting ready to, whether it's getting to the sick leave bank or you, you have a uh, concern with your supervisor at work, whatever it is, before you start down that path, if you're a TSEA member, give us a call and so we can at least kind of talk to you through some of these things to make sure if something does get bumpy, we're there to help you. Um, you know, do you guys have any comments on that? I have a good example of this. Just last week, a, a member contacted us and he was talking about he had had such problems getting days from the sick leave bank. And the sick leave bank is very, um, the guidelines are very clear you know that you only have a certain number of days from your doctor's visit to get your medical certification into sick leave bank and if you don't meet those deadlines then you've lost days from the bank but he never con this member never contacted us until after the fact he was already back at work by the time he contacted us so if he had reached out to me or someone with TSEA, we could have advised him and helped him get the ball rolling and uh, just talked with Sickly Bank and kind of been the in-between for him and his doctor because you're losing days if you don't get your medical certifications in on time. Great. Thanks for sharing that, Gail. We've got, um, we've got a little bit of good news from Jonathan Stevens uh, from Employee Rights. So Jonathan, uh, let us know what, what's the good news. Hey, Jonathan Stevens here. I'm the staff attorney for TSEA and the occasional master of ceremonies. We've really got some good news here recently. We had a case before the Board of Appeals. Uh, the member had been terminated and the Board of Appeals decided that termination's too severe for this man. They put him back to work. Here's the important thing for you all. This was a gentleman who had 25 years of experience, no discipline, advanced ratings. Very, very important. And that's exactly what the board said is, we've got a great uh, employee for the state of Tennessee, let's keep him there. They put him back to work with some minor discipline. We also settled a case along that same line. Again, an employee, 20 plus years of experience, no discipline, advanced ratings. Uh, this employee chose to, desire, uh, to um, resign, but they did give her all her back pay. That was about six months worth of salary. So, <laughs> point is, 
keep your record clean, do a good job, and longevity with the uh, state of Tennessee does help. One last thing I'll point out, we settled a case in mediation, we'll talk about that later, very important concept, but, but the thing about this case is the parties, the agency and the employee really uh, separated on very egregious terms. There was a lot of animosity, just a lot of rage on both sides. Several months later, they came back to the table and had a, uh, a very uh, productive settlement. Uh, both parties able to uh, resolve their differences and we've, we had some very happy members. So that's the good news for this month. I'll be back next month. I'm sure there'll be a lot of more good news then. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on our very first podcast. Um, you know, we appreciate the members. Uh, you know, without you guys, we can't do any of this stuff. And um, remember, the more members we have, the more we can do for state employees. So, you know, if you're not a member, we, we hope you'd consider joining today um, or at least calling us or contacting us and asking us some questions. You can visit our website, tseaonline.org, or you can call us at those numbers, 615-256-4533 or 1-800-251-TSEA, which is 8732. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for your time, and uh, we'll see you next month. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's our first episode of Ask TSEA. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit questions for the podcast, please email those to asktsea at tseaonline.org. We prefer videos, but you can send them as a text or however you'd like to send them to us. You can also direct message those to us on social media, or you can hashtag AskTSEA and ask us publicly. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to our Ask TSEA YouTube channel and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of them are at TSEA Online. All right, that's it. Have a great month. See you guys next month.